Blog Talk Radio. Welcome one and all. This is Robert Rogers. I am the founder of Parkinson's Recovery and now 2004. We are certainly over one decade old. Parkinson's Recovery is dedicated to provide information, support, and resources to individuals who are looking for ways to reverse symptoms associated with the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. The audience is global, and individuals connect in who both have Parkinson's symptoms and, of course, their family members. So may I welcome each and every one of you who are listening to our fascinating, I might say, interview today about macrobiotics. I've been airing the show now for a decade, and I must tell everyone, I have been vigilantly searching for someone who's an expert on macrobiotics, and finally, I landed on the perfect individual. Warren Kramer is from macrobioticsnewengland.com, and it's a pleasure and an honor for me to welcome you, Warren, to Parkinson's Recovery Radio today. Thanks, Robert. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Tell everybody about yourself. Well, um, I've been involved in the um, holistic health field in macrobiotics. This is actually my 30th year. Uh, As you mentioned, I think you did, I live in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, The bulk of my work uh, is my travel while I see people home here in Boston for health counseling and teaching classes here. I do teach in about 12 cities in the U.S. Actually, I do go to Canada a little bit. Um, I go to each of those cities uh, usually three times a year where I basically do do three things. I I see individual people for counseling, health counseling. Uh, I do teach cooking classes, holistic health cooking classes, macrobiotic cooking classes, I call them. And I lecture on various health topics. And uh, that's in in a nutshell what I do. I believe, Warren, that you were actually out in Portland, Oregon, in my neck of the woods, just last week, and you're going to Atlanta, Georgia. Is it tomorrow? Yeah, I'm going. I just was in Portland. I'm going to Atlanta tomorrow. In in Portland, I gave uh, one, two, three, three lectures. I I gave a cooking class, and um, I uh, saw people individually, one on one, for you know specific health counseling guidance. And to, uh, tomorrow, I'm going to Atlanta. I'm going to do a couple. Lectures, actually just lectures, not cooking classes. We're going to do some lectures and then health counseling in uh, Dunwoody, Georgia. That's right. And if all of a sudden your interest is piqued, even before we begin to discuss macrobiotics, Warren's website is the following, macrobioticsnewengland.com. So first of all, the word macrobiotics, M-A-C-R-O-B-I-O. T-I-C-S, and then the words New England, N-E-W-E-N-G-L-A-N-D dot C-O-M. The subject of the interview today is macrobiotics. Warren, where does macrobiotics come from? You know, the, the first person to use that word uh, is the father of modern Western medicine, Hippocrates. He actually used the word uh, macrobios, which means macro is big or large, and bios life, uh, basically to describe a way of, of living and eating in connection to the environment and, and looking at, at the same time, looking at all aspects that go into creating health 
and of course, uh, one of which is is food, of course. You know, so diet and and lifestyle factors, and um, it's it's basically an orderly approach to diet and lifestyle. It's really macrobiotics is, and you know, the oath that doctors I don't know if they still take, but used to take, let let food be thy medicine, and medicine be thy food, is really what macrobiotics is about. It's you know, it's looking at those factors that go into creating the the health, the quality of our life, and and you know, and how we live in relation to uh, our surroundings. So, you know, on that note, I mean, he's probably the first one uh, to use the word. And then there's a gentleman, uh, last name is Kushi, K-U-S-H-I. Uh, his first name was Michio, M-I-C-H-I-O. Him and his wife Aveline. Uh, they're really the pioneers of the natural foods movement. They they introduced macrobiotics back in the 60s, um, and they really got the ball rolling as far as people uh, understanding and knowing about um, holistic health and, and food. So these really the pioneers. Yeah. Many listeners think of medicines as what you get when you go to a doctor. They're prescribed. You go to a pharmacist, you get medicines, and then you take pills. What I guess you're saying, it sounds like, is medicine can actually be food. Yeah. I mean, you know, Robert, the, the first medicines, so to speak, were plants. I mean, they're plants, they're herbs, things naturally found in the environment. Um, no question, more and more people are moving in that direction in terms of looking at how to treat various health um, issues uh, in a more natural way, and you know, that's what we're talking about. You know, how to use food uh, to deal with uh, certain health issues, and then just you know, in general, to create better health and vitality, as well as looking at lifestyle factors, which I know a lot of people really don't look at enough. You know, specifically lifestyle factors that do transform health, and some of them are the most you know the most simple things, but we just we just don't even think of the of them and the, and the power of them. Yeah. What is the difference between what a dietitian would suggest and what you would suggest? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And, and the difference is very simple that, you know, there's, there's two ways of looking at food. One way, of course, you can analyze it and look at it nutritionally, you know, what, what's the nutrition in it. But another way, and it's, it's probably even even more significant, is what's the energetic quality of something, the energy of something. And for a lot of people, I know that sounds something strange and out there. What does it mean by the energy of something? So this is, sounds like some kind of strange woo thing, you know, the energy of food. But for instance, to give you an example, like if you took a rice cake, you know, a simple rice cake, you know, you would think, okay, there's, there's not much in the way of calories there, which is true. There's not much fat. Uh, there's not much protein. It's not much. It's almost like it's air, but the quality of it energetically that is actually not good for a lot of health conditions is the fact that it's dry. So it's dry, and so dry is like an energetic quality to it. And then how does that affect the body? So you can't always look at food and think of it just um, nutritionally. You have to look at it energetically. And another example would be you think about okay, drinking water. Sure natural thing, drink your water. But what if that water now is iced instead of it being, let's say, lightly cool or room temperature? Now that water has a different effect on the body because it's ice cold. That's an energetic quality. So, you know, we can look at food both nutritionally and energetically. Is it warming? Is it cooling? Um, does it have a expanding effect on the body? Does it have a contracting effect on the body? 
because literally our organs, they, they expand and they contract, you know. And so we look at food both ways. So I look at it as a macrobiotic counselor, both nutritionally and I look at it energetically. And I think that's, that's very different. Most people don't look at food like that, you know. And so that's, a, that's something outside the box. But, but I can tell you this, that so many people, when they're able to look at it in a different light, uh, they notice big changes in how they feel because of that, that one aspect. Yeah. People who live in the United States go to a restaurant, order water, and there's typically lots of ice cubes. People who live in Europe go to a restaurant, they have to ask for water, and there exactly. is no ice. All right, so which exactly. is better, to go to Europe to a restaurant or, or a restaurant in the United States? <laughs> probably, in the, probably in Europe because, first of all, the portions are smaller anyway. So there's <laughs> something to be said about that, too. Let alone, no, no you're not going to get ice, but you have portion control there because they don't have as much. So, you know, there's something to be said about that, too. And that's, that's another factor with regard to food, and that's uh, quantity, you know, changes the quality of the food. How much, you know, versus uh, the quality of it. You know, you know, overeating any food turns it into bad food. So, you know, there's, there's, there's obviously different factors when we talk about food and nutrition. It's, it's not just whether something has omega fatty acids or it's high in a certain vitamin. You have to look at, you know, different aspects about it and, and what it does. Absolutely. Yeah. Why is macrobiotics effective in healing? Mm. Um, there's a number of reasons, but I'd have to say what first comes to my mind is that with macrobiotics, you know, when people are, are on the path of trying to, you know, recover their health and, you know, return something back to balance, one of the things I've noticed over the years is that as people simply take away or avoid the foods that are making trouble for them, they feel better. They simply feel better without even adding, let's say, the good stuff in, which, of course, is important. But I can give you an example, Robert. You know, simply this one thing, you take sugar, like simple sugars, junk food out of someone's diet, everyone feels better. Everyone. I've never, I've never in my career, over the last 30 years, the years have had someone tell me, oh, I stopped sugar, I stopped the chocolate, I stopped junk food, and I feel worse, or I don't notice any change. Never. So one of the things is simply taking away what may be making trouble for someone. And so, you know, in macrobiotics, what we look at, we look at the nature of a health problem. What's the nature of a specific condition? You know, is it okay, is it Parkinson's, or is it maybe problems with the prostate, or is it problems with, you know, maybe my lungs, or what, what's the issue that's going on? And then what is the food or foods that are like the worst things for those, for those organs that, that are making trouble? And so just taking that out of the picture, naturally people feel better and notice a difference. I've seen this for many, many years now. The other thing is why it's so effective is that and kind of goes along with what I just said, is that we look at the nature of a certain problem. You know, I, I don't lump all, let's say, for instance, as an example, cancers together. You know, cancer is a cancer. It's all lumped together. We, I don't look at it like that. I look at it that, like the, na- the type of the organ, the nature of that organ, and what foods especially make trouble with that organ or, or, or you know, or part of the body. And then how do we use foods to support or to nourish those organs like that. Um, other things, of course, in macrobiotics is um, 
of course, in macrobiotic cooking, the balance that we create in cooking. Macrobiotic cooking is really how do you create good, balanced natural foods cooking day to day. And I think also in that regard, it really supports health. And, of course, another one is simply that we, you know, we normally recommend using as much organic as possible. And I think that's, uh, you know, when you talk about the quality of, uh, of food like that, that makes an enormous difference for, uh, you know, for people. So, you know, those are just some things, I think. We've talked a little bit about food. How do lifestyle factors play a role in healing? Um, well, I, I look at it like this. It's very, it's very simple. Um, lifestyle factors, you know, the, the way that we live our life influences the benefit of food or not. In other words, there's two aspects really in, in macrobiotic practice. One, you have food. And you have your way that you live your life, your eating, your eating habits, uh, your lifestyle. So, for example, uh, most basic one that, that anybody can improve their health on, simply this. Number one, when someone eats, sit down. Don't stand up. That, that, that's the start of creating health. Look around and see how many people are actually eating standing up, eating and walking, uh, for that matter, eating and multitasking, doing other things. But the start of creating health and the start of even good digestion is simply sitting and eating. This, the second part to that, that that makes an enormous difference is simply eating at regular times every day. How many people have their meals all over the place? You know, one day maybe lunch is at 12, then it's 2, then there's no lunch, then lunch is back down to 12 again, dinner's at 6, then it's 9, then it's 8, then it's 10... When our meals are so irregular, that affects all our body functions. So, you know, our bowels, our urination, our hormones, for women menstruation, our sleep, are all regulated. They're, they're like, um, they're a cycle. And so when our meals are regular, that gives us basically an orderly cycle in our life. That helps to regulate our body functions. So, you know, we're, we're not separate as a human being. We're not separate from the environment. Basically, to create health is how do you align with nature's cycles? How do you create regularity and order? And so that's why I said, you know, macrobiotics is an orderly approach to diet and lifestyle. We live in a society right now where it's, it's pretty chaotic for a lot of people. And, you know, for me in my own life, um, I just try to create as much regularity as possible in terms of my meal times. That's why I try to keep them consistent. And you know, people notice when they do that, amazing difference. Even, even if people didn't change their diet, just eating, the, eating a meal at the same time every day, consistent, life-changing. And, and I mean it. I'm not exaggerating. It's, it's, it's very powerful for people. You know? it's, like, it's like, Robert, can you imagine you take a four-year-old and you tell your four-year-old, okay, today your lunch is at 12, but tomorrow there's no lunch. Then, then we're going to have lunch at 2 tomorrow. Then, then it goes back to 12. You've got to be kidding me, right? Be, be terrible, but that would you know, be abuse, not, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, it, well, it would be. But if you think, you know, we think, okay, now that we're, you know, we're older, you know, we're adults, we can get away with that. The truth is, we can't. We cannot. There are things that that really we need to be consistent with our whole life, and these are things that you, you, are really provable. You just see the proof is in, you know, no no pun intended. The proof is in the pudding, so to speak. You see it. People feel dramatically different. And, uh, I mean, I can go on and on about this one point. Uh, it also, you know, when people eat later, like 2 o'clock for lunch instead of 12, it would leads to overeating because people's blood sugar plummeted so much already. 
So eating earlier makes people more relaxed and helps to stabilize blood sugar. You know, and uh, there's there's many things, you know, simple things that people can do that change their health. Also, lifestyle. It's just not eating late at night. You know, I'm asked all the time, what do I think about fasting? You know, I mean, I, almost every week, what do I think about fasting for health? And I tell people, okay, try this fast. Eat breakfast, you know, early, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock at least or earlier. Don't have anything till lunch. Have your lunch, 12 to 1. Don't have anything till dinner, you know, 6 to 7. And then don't eat anything after dinner until the next morning. Do that for a month, and you let me know if you still want to fast. I haven't had anyone else ask me after that about fasting. <laughs> you know, that's a fast. But the reason why a lot of people struggle with that is because people's blood sugar is not stable. So you have people that are almost like eating all day long, constant snacking, instead of really having good regular meals. And, you know, maybe a little mid-afternoon pick-me-up. But uh, that's also profound, is getting away from late-night eating and how that helps to strengthen the intestines, you know, digestion. So those are some examples of lifestyle. You're listening to Parkinson's Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Robert Rogers, founder of Parkinson's Recovery in 2004. My guest today is Warren Kramer from macrobioticsnewengland.com. Let's now focus a bit on symptoms associated with a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. So what might be the most important foods that a person with Parkinson's symptoms should avoid? Well, you know, it's like this, Robert. I I break down Parkinson's. There's really, for me, two types. There's one where you have um, these uh, large or very uh, quick movements, and you have ones that are slow or less active motion. So the the ones that are large are very quick movements, so to speak. I basically, from from my perspective in terms of energetics, that's more from um, excessive amounts of animal food taken in. So plenty of meat and eggs, poultry, you know, other animal products, um, you know, too many baked flour products, baked goods. And then the other one, the opposite, the the uh, slow or less active motion, uh, too much sugar, other sweets, um, refri- refined grains like white flour products, uh, tropical fruits, you know, bananas, pineapple, etc. Uh, too much fruit and fruit juice in general, things like stimulants, spices. Um, so you know, we we categorize these things like they're both extremes and you know in macrobiotics we talk about this kind of so to speak yin and yang and and put very simply um, yang or y-a-n-g means contracted so contracting and that that's what contributes more to the larger very quick movement so that's the animal food the eggs uh, the cheese the poultry like that the yin y-i-n is more of those expansive things, things that have an expanding, loosening effect. And that's the slow or less active mo- uh, motion. So that would be, of course, the sugar, tropical fruits, um, white flour products, and too much juice in general. Um, even in that, I would put in coffee, which in a way is extremes of both because it's roasted and it's tropical. So those extremes are actually the most important things to try to, um, you know, get get out of the diet. They they really do affect uh people in that way. 
you know, when I work working with Parkinson's, what I'm really trying to do is um, uh, strengthen the the following organs. These are the organs I feel need the most support. The organs that basically related to blood sugar, so the spleen, pancreas, and stomach, keeping blood sugar stable. Number two, the the lungs and the colon. You know, those are paired organs in Chinese medicine, in my background. And then three, the kidneys and bladder. So again, spleen, pancreas, stomach, related to blood sugar, the lungs and the large intestine, what's also called the colon, and then the kidneys and bladder. So a, a very big part of it is actually how do you strengthen uh, the intestines? Very important. And, uh, you know, what's interesting is that the intestines very much are related to dementia and what's going on with the brain. So when you, you, you help the intestines, you actually help the, the brain very, very significantly. And, you know, you may be aware of this too, Robert. The, there's been so much out now. Uh, they're talking about the, the microbiome of the intestines related to the brain and our, our function. I've been seeing this more and more in conventional, uh, you know, Western literature. And, uh, you know, this is something that I've been studying and being aware of for years, gut health and brain health. So um, those, those foods are the most important to, to avoid those extremes. And when I say sugar, of course, I mean alcohol. That's a given, you know. Right. Yeah. One of the symptoms that is truly troublesome for many people would be tremors, tremors that yes. are just uh, excessive. And so if there is one step that you would recommend people could take who have excessive tremors, I mean, they can't do a lot of things, but they can do yes. one kind of a thing, what would you recommend? You know, I would say make the remedy. There's a home remedy that's as easy as can be, and I'll describe it. This is what I recommend for, for people I've worked with, and it's, it's, it's wonderful. So the first ingredient is it's, uh, called umeboshi. I'm going to spell it. It's U-M-E-B-O-S-H-I, umeboshi. They call it a plum. It's actually a pickled apricot, but umeboshi plum. Uh, it can be ordered online. There's plenty of natural foods mail order companies. Some, some natural food stores will have it, umeboshi plum. The second ingredient is uh, a good quality soy sauce or tamari. So for people that are avoiding wheat or gluten, they would use tamari, tamari soy sauce, a good brand. You can do like Eden is fine or Mitoku, M-I-T-O-K-U. And then the third ingredient, Robert, is what's called uh, kudzu or kuzu, K-U-Z-U, which is a root starch. And uh, again, uh, natural Foods Mail Order Company can be uh, it can be ordered from. Um, there's one that I like. Um, I recommend a lot. It's called Health Goods. Uh, healthgoods.com. They they have all these ingredients. You can order it from them. So very simply, what you do is you take a cup of water. So one cup of cold water. You take a teaspoon of that kuzu powder. It looks like chalk. You know, kuzu may sound familiar, Robert. It grows prolifically down south. It's a big headache down there, this big vine. Oh, that's Ooh. right. It is, yeah. Right? Medicinal yeah. stuff comes, comes, it comes from the mountain grown, so it's, you're not going to exactly get the stuff growing down in Atlanta. But anyway, you buy this kuzu powder. It looks like chalk. You dilute a heaping teaspoon of that in that cold water, and then very simply on a, you know, on a stove, you just start to bring it to a boil. You, know, you stir it the whole time. And then you add, while you're cooking that, add about a half of one of those uh, umeboshi plums chopped up. 
and you just bring it to a boil. It takes, I don't know, four minutes. It'll come to a boil. And then you add a few drops of your tamari soy sauce, literally a few drops, maybe, maybe a quarter of a teaspoon. And then you uh, drink it hot. It's a nice, uh, warm, hot drink. What it does is it actually strengthens the intestines and the lower part of the body, which also relate to the arms and will help, usually helps with the uh, tremors. It kind of, kind of settles this energy down in the body. It's, it's fabulous. Normally I'd recommend that daily, good two to three weeks in a row. And then after that, maybe every other day. Uh, for another two or three weeks, but that I'd have to say, if you ask me, one thing that I would start with, I would I would start with that, you know. If you'd uh, give me a number two, can I have a number two, a simple one? Oh please! Everybody is thinking, yes. Oh well, this is great. So, so what's number, number two, two? Take some ginger, some ginger root, fresh ginger root, and what you do is you grate it, so it's like pulp. You know, you gotta you gotta grate it. So. You know, it's funny, I recommend a little better grater than what people are used to, these old potato graters. You can get these nice round, like, ceramic grater, spend a couple bucks more, and you get yourself a nice grater so you don't peel your skin off. So you grate some ginger, and then what you do is you take that pulp and you squeeze the juice into a a, a pot of water, you know, something like a nice small uh, soup pot, and uh, squeeze the juice from the ginger in there, not the pulp, just the juice. I, I sometimes squeeze it through cheesecloth, and then what you do, and this is nice if you can have someone help you with this one, you dip a towel in that, like a, a small hand towel. You dip it in there, wring it out, and then you rub down the spine, down the spine and, and even the, the body itself. What it does, it helps circulation tremendously, and it helps create more flexibility and movement in the body, but especially down that spine, the whole body and the spine. And... Um, uh, what I recommend doing after that, you take some of that ginger water, put it in a little foot bath, and you soak you soak your feet in that warm ginger water, and that helps with um, with this whole circulation, helps uh, create more flexibility in the body. Uh, very powerful. Ume shokuzu, and uh, the hot ginger towel rub down the spine would be very nice. Yep, very helpful. What wonderful, what wonderful yeah. suggestions. So for the first suggestion, some people may be thinking, well, can I make a really big batch and keep it in the fridge so that I don't have to make it every day? Or is it better to make it each and every day? Yeah, I mean, I wish I could say it's good leftover. The problem is that the effects of that, uh, both the, the, the kuzu drink absolutely needs to be fresh, yeah. I mean, that, that's, if you're spending more than five minutes to make it, that's too long. It's, it's a quick remedy to make the kuzu drink. The ginger water, the problem is when you, when you grate it and then you leave that over too long, the, the benefits of it are not there anymore because ginger has a nice kind of, dis- good, in a good way, increased circulation and dispersing quality. So no, that, that one unfortunately couldn't leave left over. It would need to be fresh. So, um, you know, both of those really are best like that. And the kuzu drink for sure, uh, fresh. You know what, um, I, could, I could just add this to this, Robert, what uh, I've noticed, some people I've worked with with Parkinson's have had really good success with are uh, uh, acupuncture and what's called moxa, M-O-X-A, moxibustion, where you're putting uh, heat is put uh, over uh, certain uh, acupuncture points. A good acupuncturist will know uh, moxa, but those, that's another area. It's easy. You, know, you don't have to do it on yourself, obviously. You can get that done, but uh, very helpful. 
you know, uh, external treatment. Yeah. Yeah. Some listeners are going to want to uh, follow up and say, wait a minute, I didn't quite get the spelling of umbashi and kuzu. So maybe we ought to spell those again for listeners who want to sure. make this concoction for a couple Absolutely. of weeks. So could you very slowly spell umbashi for people? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's called umaboshi, U-M as in Mary, E, B as in boy, O, S as in Sam, H, I, Umaboshi, Umaboshi Plum, P-L-U-M, and then the soy sauce, so Tamari, T-A-M-A-R-I, Tamari soy sauce. I, I don't recommend uh, Kikkoman or Sanjay because often there's alcohol in those, so those are the two brands I do not like. So Eden, Eden Foods, or Mitoku, M-I-T-O-K-U, so soy sauce, Tamari. And then the uh, kuzu, K, U, Z as in zebra, U. So the kuzu powder. Those are the three ingredients with a cup of water, and you're good to go. Yeah. Now, in general, for people who experience the various symptoms of Parkinson's, what foods might they focus on to include in their diet? Yeah. So... I, I really like to get whole grain uh, into people's diets. Now, whole grain doesn't mean special case cereal or whole grain goodness bagels like that, which is a lot of misconception about that. I, when I'm talking whole grain, I mean brown rice, especially for Parkinson's short grain or medium grain brown rice. I'm talking about the grain millet, M-I-L-L-E-T, that little yellow grain. I remember growing up, we used to give that to our parakeets for some uh, bird food, you know. But it's good. it's it's actually good people food, and that's true. We used to eat. We used to give it to our our pet parakeet. Um, <laughs> grains grains like if you're not if you're not gluten have no issue with gluten, then I would recommend barley, as well. So the three top grains would be brown rice, millet, and barley. If if barley is an issue, the gluten's an issue in that, then I would I would leave that out. Uh, grains like quinoa, certainly very nice. Uh, grain like uh, amaranth, very nice. So basically, whole grains is, is really number one. That's the starting point. Whole whole grain, but that's again, that's very different than a rice cake. It's very different than a cracker. It's very different than you know dry cereals. So you know when people see whole grain goodness and it's a box cereal, that, that's not whole grain. That's a flour product. So I think it's very important to make the distinction uh, about that. You know, a lot of people are just eating flour. They're not eating the whole grain. And that's a good starting point. So after that, I would say people need to start including more cooked vegetables. So with Parkinson's, I do not recommend uh, that much raw as far as raw salads and raw vegetables. I don't. Very little, if any, at all. I recommend more cooked vegetables. So, um, you know, there's a few styles, very easy styles of preparation. Uh, one, of course, is simply blanching. You know, you just put vegetables, bring water to a boil, the vegetable goes in uh, ten, uh, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, take it out, especially things like leafy greens, uh, like kale, collard greens, things like uh, bok choy. Nice dark, dark leafy green vegetables. Of course, you know broccoli, which I don't consider a leafy, but more of a round vegetable. 
So there's blanching, there's steam. You, know, you can steam those vegetables too, as well as sautéing. And I do recommend using a little bit of oil. I'm not opposed to using a little olive or sesame oil, as long as we're not, you know, overheating the oil. And then I'd like to describe a dish that I, I feel a vegetable dish is probably one of the most important ones uh, when we're talking about Parkinson's, and that is, um, I'll spell it, it's actually called Nishime. It's N as in Nancy, I-S-H-I-M-E, Nishime. And, and what it is, is basically round and root vegetables, slow cooked, like steam cooked in a, just a little bit of water with a piece of uh, kombu. Seaweed are called it's called kelp, K E L P or kombu, K O M B U. So you know, Robert, I made this the other day. I put in the bottom of a pot uh, some squash. Like right now here in uh, New England, we're getting beautiful butternut and buttercup squash and kabocha squash. So you have some nice chunks. And actually in Portland, Oregon, they were beautiful. So many of them were available now. Um, nice uh, winter squash. So chunks of that, put in a little bit of uh, sweet potato in that pot, some carrots. Um, there's a nice root, very strengthening root called burdock, which I think some people may have heard of, burdock root. And so you put these chunks of vegetable in the pot. You just sprinkle a few, a few pinches of sea salt uh, over it in very, very little water in the bottom of the pot, and then you just simply bring it up to a boil and it steams, and you slow steam cook that. That vegetable dish could be at least four or five times a week ongoing for a while. Nishime, fabulous, fabulous. Yeah, and uh, those, those, are, those are good starting vegetable dishes. And I have to say uh, a kind of a third area, I'd love to get people to start having more um, homemade miso soup. Miso soup. And I say homemade because um, the miso soup at a lot of restaurants is so incredibly salty, and homemade is very different. So uh, people can go to a natural food store and buy miso in a, uh, a jar. And a couple common brand names would be South River Miso. And uh, another good brand is um, Mitoku, M-I-T-O-K-U. So they can get like brown rice miso or barley miso. And very simple, you're just actually making a broth um, and then seasoning it with a little bit of the miso paste uh, after the the vegetables have cooked in there. Really very nice. Those are three areas that I would start to, you know, incorporate whole grains, more cooked vegetables, and then uh, some miso soup would be a wonderful beginning. Yeah, very good. So to clarify, you've made a number of fascinating suggestions of what people can do to get relief from symptoms do any of your suggestions require a prescription from a doctor? Not at all. All made in the kitchen. Everything I've recommended is made in our own kitchen. Our kitchen is our best medicine cabinet. You've made so many fascinating suggestions for what kind of foods can help address symptoms associated with the diagnosis of Parkinson's. Are there any other ideas you want to suggest uh, to listeners, uh, something they might want to try for symptoms they experience? Um, let's see. I wrote down some notes for myself. Well, 
exercise, I'll tell you this. Exercise, of course, and I'm sure you know you're well aware of that, and it's been probably been on the show. But exercise is very important. That's for sure. Um, any kind of you know movement that could be done uh, outdoors, of course, is best. You know, due to the the oxygen. Um, and I have to say that the the biggest thing is having some support and and giving a little bit of a push to be consistent with this. I think that's one of the most important things to be successful is that. Um, but, I, I, again, I have to emphasize that the extremes in the modern diet, both you know the animal foods and then the opposite, the sugar, the sweets, um, tropical fruits, um, sodas, etc., those extremes are really what end up making uh, much more weakness and actually, I feel, really uh, aggravate the um you know the symptoms make it make it much worse and uh you know the, i mentioned the acupuncture already i mean basically the what's needed is really what i'm going to describe as good nice substantial natural foods cooking like when i say substantial i i don't mean a salad a salad for me is not substantial salad is light it's refreshing it's cooling but for me that's not the type of food to get strongly nourished and settled, you know, and bring that energy deep inside what what's needed for um what's needed for Parkinson's. You know, you have to strengthen the intestines as I said. Um you have to really make sure that the um the blood sugar stable. Blood sugar gets stabilized from more from those round sweet vegetables as well as the use of millet, which is amazing for that, that little yellow grain, millet. And um, actually to strengthen, when we, we didn't really talk about it, but the, I mentioned the kidneys and bladder earlier, Robert, <coughs> and what's very important for the kidneys are beans. You know, beans, beans look like a kidney. They actually literally look like a kidney, you know, kidney bean. And in traditional Chinese medicine, there's a lot of talk about the, the importance of bean dishes uh, well prepared and seasoned nicely to strengthen the kidneys and our overall vitality. So I think, you know, that would help a lot as well. Yeah. I've interviewed now up to a thousand or more individuals who have Parkinson's symptoms, and a strong thought form for people is, I'll just figure this out myself. Would you yeah. also suggest that perhaps when it comes to good eating and exercise, maybe coaching might be beneficial? Oh, yeah, there's no question. I mean, you know, um, first of all, what I've I've given is a kind of like, a, you know, a little bit of an outline. Every, everyone's a little different, you know, Robert. Everyone's a little different. You know, I've been doing, um, you know, this work for many years. I've seen thousands of people. I, you know, I ongoingly travel lots of cities. Uh, I'm doing much more work now on um, on Skype with people or FaceTime for people that I, I you know whose cities I don't go to. I have people that now because of the modern technology of FaceTime or Skype, or I'm able to you know see people you know only now on a weekly basis and check in, which I never could do before. I mean, normally with my work, I'd go to a city usually three times a year, you know, once every four months, and wouldn't really get a chance to see someone in between. I mean, maybe of course talk on the phone. But now, of course, with the technology of being able to see someone, it uh, makes a very big difference. You know, one of the things I'm trained in, too, um, as a macrobiotic counselor, is visual diagnosis. So, you know, it's a whole other area, Robert, but the, the outside of the body is a reflection of the inside. 
So, you know, the face, the hands, the feet, those all tell a lot about what's going on internally in the body. So, you know, that's why I like to be able to see someone at least, or at least someone mail me their picture when I do my work. Not just, okay, this is the, this is the nature of the problem, that's it. I, I, I have to really see what's going on too, because one size does not fit all, even, even with Parkinson's or any, any problem. Um, it, it, everyone's a little different. So, yes, it's, it's very important to have that, and on, ongoing support is, is a must, absolutely, absolutely. So to be absolutely clear, then, some listeners are listening to this discussion, and they know in their heart, mind, and soul that they need to change their diet. They know that. Yeah. But they have terrible difficulty in making those changes. It sounds like what you're mm-hmm. saying is they can actually employ you to be an ongoing support and coach. Absolutely. And I think it's very important for people to know that you know, the health is a direction. So it's a direction that we that we take one day at a time with, you know, to, to make those changes overnight. Everything is very overwhelming for a lot of people. But even just, you know, we start to add new things to our to our, our diet or add lifestyle things, that's, there's a benefit there. A lot of people, I think, get overwhelmed thinking, oh, my goodness, I've got to do all these things at once. It's not the case. I mean, granted, of course, there there definitely when you have a, a serious illness and there's some there's some urgency there, that's understandable. But um, for a lot of people, it's overwhelming trying to do all of it at once. And so that's why getting some coaching and, and taking small steps, you know, can be very helpful. You know, I, you know, recently I just told someone, you know, uh, on the phone who I'm working on, on Skype, who I'm working with once a week, I said, okay, between now and seven days from now when we see you next, you know, when we check in next, let's try this one thing. I want you to try this one one thing, you know, for next. In fact, what it was, Robert, was I said, okay, let's try to do this ginger body rub every day for the next week, you know, and and, and holding people accountable for that. And okay, let, I'm going to do that every day for one seven days, and let's go from there. Instead of saying, okay, let's do this for the next four months, let's try for one week, see if you can commit to that, doing the ginger, you know, body scrub to get that, you know, that circulation moving. And so, you know, it's direction. It's simply direction, moving in the direction of health and making better choices. Yeah. How can listeners get in touch with you? Well, um, probably the best way is, is emailing me. Um, you know, it's very simple. It's my name. It's Warren Kramer, so W-A-R-R-E-N, Kramer, uh, so no space at all. It's just K-R-A-M-E-R, M is in Mary, Warren Kramer, at... And then my uh, last one, it's, it's live, L-I-V-E dot com. Warren Kramer at live or live dot com. It's probably the best way to get me. And, um, you know, my travel schedule is also on my website, the cities that I go to, at least for the next couple months. And uh, But that's probably the best. Yeah. Now, some listeners will go to your website and they'll see the listing of cities and they're thinking, oh, shoot, uh, the city where I live is not listed is it possible that if they have other people, uh, perhaps they form their own support group, that they might be able to approach you and uh, and get you to come out uh, to provide some teaching and classes and support for them? Oh, absolutely. I, um, you know, I'm open to pretty much going anywhere. I have, you know, the cities that I go to, uh, you know, Atlanta and Chicago, Portland, Maine. Portland, Oregon, Seattle, et cetera. You know, I'm going to Vancouver. Um, these, Jacksonville, Florida, 
there are people that are actually hosting me in their community. So I'm actually, it's really not, the events are not so much done at a hotel or whatever. They're you know, often at people's homes or maybe a community center. And so these are individuals who have just wanted to have me uh, there. And a lot of these, like, for instance, Atlanta tomorrow, I've been going there for 17 years, three times a year for the last 17 years. And it's a, a, a woman and her husband uh, in Dunwoody, Georgia, that are hosting me there and uh, just really passionate about health and macrobiotics. And so certainly, yes, if someone wanted to uh, host me for an event or some classes like that, absolutely can email me and you know we can get on the phone and discuss the logistics and make it happen. Absolutely. Warren Kramer's website address is www.macrobioticsnewengland.com. M-A-C-R-O-B-I-O-T-I-C-S. N E W E N G L A N D dot C O M. Some listeners are convinced that their diet needs to be adjusted if they want to see relief from their symptoms, but some people are avid people who love hamburgers. Mm -hmm. What would you say Mm -hmm. to them? They just can't give up their hamburgers or their steak and potatoes. I mean, I tell people that, you know, if you really truly want to create better health, um, that it's important to find maybe a substitution. You know, um, just simply trying to, you know, to substitute. Like, so, so, for instance, you know, maybe if someone's telling me they really like their animal food, I might say, okay, well, um, do you like fish? You know, do something like like meaty, like maybe salmon instead of a hamburger, like that. So trying to find some better substitution, you know, definitely helps. You know, Robert, the truth is this. You know, in order to, in order to, to create better health, one of the most important things is for someone's mind to be open. Like if someone's not, mind's not open, nothing's going to change. That's the bottom line. It doesn't matter what the problem is. Could be Parkinson's, could be whatever health problem. The most important thing is someone has to have an open mind. If someone has an open mind, then yes, anything's possible. If that's not there, then no. I mean, I, I certainly can't help that person. If someone's open to maybe trying to find substitutions, maybe a better quality animal protein, yes, that that will that would help a lot. The thing that I, I try to uh, mention to people, get people to see, is that our taste for food is biological, which means food craves food. Brown rice doesn't crave a hamburger. Brown rice craves broccoli. As people start to eat more natural foods, naturally that food craves that food. Right? It's biological. Now, you might have a liking. You'd say, oh, I love hamburgers. It's a little different than what I'm talking about. If people can start to include brown rice, in other words, adding new foods, naturally those new foods will crave foods that are similar to that. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's really awesome because many people don't realize that. There's emotional eating, which is a little different. That's, okay, I'm sad, I'm depressed, I'm this, I'm that. I'm, I want to treat myself. I want to have my Burger King. I want to have my hamburger, whatever have you. That's different. I'm talking more on the biological level. I've seen this so many times over the years. As long as someone's mind is open, then, yes, 
their diet can change. When I started this many years ago, I'm, I'm 55, so I'm doing this for about 30 years now. When I started eating this way, I did not eat vegetables at all growing up, and I didn't like any of the food, but my mind was open. As I started to eat more of this food, that food craved more of that food. And so naturally, over time, I simply love the food. But that's not based on discipline. So for me, there's no discipline in eating good food. That's basically natural. It naturally comes as you create that attraction. The discipline in creating health is having good habits, sitting down to eat, chewing your food well, eating at regular times, not eating late at night, you know, creating some movement. That requires a little discipline. That's the discipline part. But in terms of eating good food, no. No, I don't, I don't think that's discipline. No, that's basically biological and attraction because food has a taste for food. Yeah. So that's my, my comment to that. Your explanation fascinates me. About 30 years ago, I decided to give up eating lots of hamburgers and steaks and meat. I was living in Michigan at the time, and there were a lot of reports of awful toxins and bacterial mm-hmm, infections mm-hmm. that got into the meat. So we just decided we're not going to do this anymore. So I quit. And my experience yeah. was for about two or three weeks, uh, it felt like I wasn't full. That I, you mm-hmm. know, I wasn't. Yeah. My stomach really wasn't full, but I stuck with it, and yeah. all of a sudden uh, that shifted. And it was only about, I guess, six weeks or two months after I stopped eating the meat that I could not eat meat anymore. <laughs> it's like I exactly. couldn't even stomach eating a hamburger. Exactly. It like what, exactly. That's, what I'm describing is, is exactly the process that you've just illustrated. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's just an adjustment period. And, you know, Robert, the other thing that's very normal is that when people stop eating those foods, people often crave those foods. I mean, I have clients who are dreaming about burgers or dreaming about pizzas as that's being discharged from the body. You know, it doesn't just come out through our bowels or urination or for women through menstruation. It comes out in different ways. So, in fact, it's very common in the beginning that people might crave exactly what the body's getting rid of, you know, detoxifying, so to speak. That's normal. It's a good thing. You know, and I tell people what you just need to do is choose better quality, similar but different, you know. Try to create that richness or that hardiness in a, in a little more satisfying way uh, through natural foods and uh and then you know you're on, you're off and running better direction and uh you know shifting your health yeah yeah Warren Kramer you've offered so many fascinating suggestions to persons looking for ways to reverse their parkinson's symptoms using natural methods if you were to summarize what people need to take away from this rich discussion what mm-hmm. would it be what would you say to people well i would say um number 1 Create a very good um, structure in terms of eating habits and lifestyle. Really work on that. You know, the thing I've been emphasizing, regular meals at regular times, uh, you know, not eating late at night, trying to get, trying to get a, a really good structure in terms of how you live your life day to day for the balance part. Number two, I would say try to stay away from those extremes. And the extremes are, Animal foods, including dairy foods, etc., uh, other than maybe including fish, if you need the animal protein, some hopefully uh, you know wild, not not farmed fish, salmon, or is preferably like white meat fish, 
you know, instead of shellfish also, which are, which are more toxic, and, and then the extremes also, staying away from the sugars, etc. So avoiding the extremes. And then number three, start to include more whole grain, more cooked vegetable dishes, especially those leafy greens, uh, things like broccoli, kale, collards, uh, etc., more uh, you know, soups, especially miso soup, as I mentioned, and protein source that's non-animal food-based, meaning beans, chickpeas, and lentils, etc. I think if people can focus on those, I think whatever three areas I just gave, and you know, that will be wonderful. I mean, if you can do the remedy, the umesho kuzu drink, that's a big bonus. That would be great. But I, I think that's, that, that's a good starting point for people. I invite each listener then to visit Warren Kramer's website, macrobioticsnewengland.com. Check out the various cities where he's making presentations over the coming months. And if you don't see the city listed, uh, consider the possibility of approaching him to go out and actually visit your location so that you can, in fact, transform how you eat and also transform your lifestyle for yourself and all of your family members Warman Kramer, thank you so much for taking this time to share with my listening audience these wonderful suggestions of how they can get relief from the symptoms associated with their diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. It's been a true treat for all of us. Thanks, Robert. I really enjoyed being on the show. Thanks so much for asking me. I really appreciate it. And that's what's happening on, you guessed it, if you've been listening to Parkinson's Recovery Radio for the last decade, on the shores of the Puget Sound that are absolutely gorgeous on this October day, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that, by virtue of the fact you have connected into this interview with Warren Kramer today that you indeed are on the road to recovery. It's an honor and a privilege. I'm Robert Rogers, founder of Parkinson's Recovery. I look forward to connecting with you during our next radio program. Thank you so much for being with us today. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.